turn with me to First John and chapter 2. First John and chapter 2. We will commence reading from the 18th verse. First John chapter 2, commencing with verse 18. The Bible reads, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they, are, that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that we have that he made to us eternal life. Well, brethren, we come again to our series of messages in First John under the theme of eternal assurance. And that is ourselves as individuals knowing now that I am a Christian today, I'm going to consequently be a Christian for the rest of my life, and God will indeed receive me into his heaven. We have said that this is what this first epistle of John is all about. That it's, it's giving us different tests as we go across the whole epistle concerning the way in which we can know that we have eternal life. We are currently in the second chapter and we have begun to look at verse 18 going downwards. And the first that we saw there, which we looked at uh, last weekend, was the discouraging apostasy that surrounds us. In other words, often as a Christian, when you see friends who once walked with you in the faith, abandoning it altogether, two questions come to mind. The first is, is Christianity real? This which I'm experiencing, is this self-deception or is this real? Because if it is, nobody can abandon the joy and peace and love that I am experiencing. The other question 
is assuming it is real, will I last? In other words, what should make me so unique and so special that where others have failed and given up, I should still continue? And what we saw from uh, verse 18 um, and verse 19 was essentially the fact that the reason why those others that you may have been with have since abandoned the faith is because they were not true believers in the first place. That's what John is saying here. They were not of us because if they were of us, they would have continued with us. Their abandoning us is simply proof that they have never truly been part of us. They have gone simply where they belong. That's what he's saying. So instead of you getting discouraged, just consider this as part of God's own weeding process. He doesn't ever finish the whole process of weeding, but clearly from time to time he passes through, shakes the church, and those who are false are led away, especially by false teachers. Well, John doesn't end on a negative note. He then proceeds into the positive. And it is this positive that we are looking at together this morning. He says in verse 20 and 21, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. In other words, John had a lot more confidence in those that were still in the church, those that he had written to, so that they shouldn't be shaken. They should realize that which is true of them. In other words, the question of um, perseverance in the Christian faith is not one which is dependent on your stubbornness or something particularly special about you in the way you were brought up. No. It is because of what God has done in you and what God has done for you. That is what will keep you Go away. And when you know that that is true, surely that should give you even all the more assurance that God will receive you into his heaven. So let's spend a bit of time this morning looking at that which is positive. That which distinguishes you if you are a true child of God from others who in due season abandon the faith. What is that? Well, we are being told here that if you are a true Christian, then there is an anointing which you have, and it is that anointing that explains the difference. John's words there. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. That's the distinguishing mark. Now, obviously, as you're sitting there, you must be asking yourself the question, what is this anointing all about? Especially because 
we are living in a day and age when uh, the word anointing is like confetti. It's just being thrown all over the place on top of people's heads. What does John have in mind here when he speaks about this anointing? Thankfully, in our evening services during the Lord's Supper, we're going through John. And a number of you who were here last week will remember that we were in John and chapter 16. So if we turn there, we will see something of what is really meant. And I'll let the cut out of the bag and prove it to you in a moment. So John 16 and verse 13. The anointing essentially here is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the living God who takes residence in everyone who is a believer at the point of conversion. And what does he do? Well, we are told in John chapter 16 and verse 13, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in the upper room discourse that we looked at last time, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for we'll take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Well, there you have the Spirit of God being put side by side with the truth of God. That he is the one who comes to teach you the truth about God. He is the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. And as we'll go on to see in a few minutes when we get back to First John, ultimately that is what John is convinced about. That if you have this anointing, then you know the truth. In fact, as I'm writing to you, it's not because you don't know. In fact, it is because you know the truth. But let's proceed to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and you will find more or less the same picture. 2 Corinthians and chapter 1. If you are there, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 21 and verse 22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Now, I want you to notice here that Paul is essentially speaking about the Holy Spirit, but speaking about him using different figures of speech. So let's begin there. 
He says there, it is God who has established you in Christ, us rather with you in Christ, and has anointed us. That's the first picture that he uses. And we'll come back to it in a moment because we're interested in that. And who has also put his seal on us. Again, if you read in Ephesians, that seal is the Holy Spirit with whom we are sealed for the day of redemption. And then finally he reveals who he is when he says, and has given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So whether it is to use the phrase of anointing or using the word of sealing, it is this Holy Spirit who has been given to us who fulfills both of these roles. And in fulfilling both of these roles, He is establishing us. In other words, He is securing us. He is guaranteeing that ultimately we will reach our end. Back then, finally, to 1 John and chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Thankfully, John repeats this anointing in verse 27 and verse 28. Rather, verse 27, which is a fairly lengthy verse. Here it is. But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you. And you've no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. You see a very clear statement there about this anointing teaching. Teaching. It must be a person teaching. And who is this? It is the second person, rather the third person of the Holy, of the Holy Trinity. The one who comes in order that he might guide you into all truth. The one who in doing so consequently secures you so that your end is fully guaranteed. He is the one who makes the difference. Let me put it this way to you. That which is going to ensure that you continue to stand where others have failed and even fallen, is not some kind of formula. It is a person. It is God the Holy Spirit, whom he, who has been sent to dwell in your heart. And He will never leave you. He is one who continues to guide you. He is one who continues up to the very end, because that is his job. Let's put it negatively. Those who have abandoned the faith along the way, those who have been swallowed up by false doctrine, by heretical teaching, those who have gone in the ways of immoral living, wicked living, abandoning the place of holiness. I'll tell you why. They did not have the Holy Spirit in the first place. They did not have this anointing. 
He has not come to dwell in their hearts at all. And it is his absence that finally causes them to give up and to go following the ways of sin. John doesn't simply tell us here about this anointing, but he also tells us the first consequence of this anointing that enables us to understand why we should be where we are. And it is this, that because of this anointing, we have knowledge. We have knowledge. Back to our text. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Now, I realize that uh, there are some versions, and if you do have the King James, that's what it says, so I'll quickly discuss a bit of a difference there. Some versions would say, and you have all knowledge, or you know all things. Which one of the two is it? Well, it seems to me that you all have knowledge is the appropriate uh, rendering, primarily because that's the point that John is seeking to convey here. It is the fact that as long as you are a child of God, as long as you are a believer, each one of you has this knowledge that secures you so that when heretical teachers pass by and they sweep off a certain segment among you, it is those who are not true believers that they take with them. They do not take you along with them because you all have knowledge. So his concern here is not so much that you know absolutely everything, but rather that all of you have this anointing and this is the benefit of it all. The, the Apostle John uses a phrase that is not the usual one for knowledge, and he uses it deliberately. He uses a word that is normally used for understanding and perception rather than simply information. He's used it already before this, and I just want us to, to quickly go there. In First John chapter 2 first john chapter 2 and verse 11 first john 2 verse 11 he says but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and then here it is and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes that knowledge is speaking about the, is not so much that he hasn't got the information. That information may have been given to him, whether it's information about heaven or information about hell or whatever else it might be. In terms of information, he has it. But in terms of perception, in terms of realization, in terms of it dawning on him, 
He hasn't got it. He's still in darkness. So it is information that goes in through one ear and out through the other, but it hasn't enlightened his soul from inside out. It hasn't really changed him. And that's the reason why he still hates his brother. There is an ignorance at that point. Well, that's what John is now telling us here in the positive. He is saying that if God has worked in you in terms of real salvation, you have perception. You have understanding. You, you have, the truth has dawned in your soul. And therefore, you cannot be led astray. You can't. False teachers come, and as they're teaching you all kinds of things, something in you, eh? something in you is just saying, uh-uh. It can't be. Chakana. Something in you is not telling. There is a world of truth that has dawned in your soul which is verifiable by scripture and often when you read the scriptures your soul goes yea and amen. But what this person is now saying cannot be it. What is that? You have this knowledge. You have the perception that others don't have. You try it out. You spend a bit of time, especially with individuals who belong to cults. And you say to them, okay, tell me, what on earth makes you think, for instance, that Jehovah's Witnesses are the ones who have the truth? You tell me. And as the person begins to speak, even when they are quoting a verse, they are completely quoting it out of context. And it's so obvious to you that you're wondering why the chap can't see it. Well, the reason is simple. He's still in darkness. You have the light. You have the knowledge. You have the perception. God, by His Spirit, has given you an understanding that they just do not have. Oh, let's put it differently. He's sharing the gospel. And you've gone into the details of the way of salvation. Eh? You, you've, you've brought it down to the lowest level. We are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve the wrath of God to send us to hell. We do not have capacity to satisfy God's law, God's righteous requirements. We can't. We are fallen creatures. 
God in mercy has sent his own son as a substitute to take on himself our sin, the righteous for the unrighteous and consequently dying our death on the cross, suffering our punishment in our place. It's a swapping of places. You've explained all those details. And therefore, his salvation is free. You don't do anything about it, but to receive it as a free gift of God. Eternal life is a free gift of God through Jesus Christ. Where you are truly repentant of your ways, call on Him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You've brought it right down to the most basic level. And then you say to the person you've been sharing with, Alright, so if I wasn't a Christian and I came to you and said, what should I do to be a Christian? What would you tell me? You just spent 45 solid minutes explaining the word salvation. Because uh, you're not a Christian. Yes, yes, supposing I wasn't. And what should you do? Yes, what should I do? Well, I'll say to you, you know, stop the bad things you are doing and uh, sort of come to church a few weeks and uh, get baptized. Now, when did I speak about baptism here? When did I speak about church here? Did you hear those words come out of my mouth? Oh, here's the issue. The person hasn't got the perception, the understanding, which a person only gets when the Holy Spirit comes in. So what you take so much for granted, because the Spirit of God resides within your soul, other people don't have. And that's the reason why you are still where you are when those who were once with you have been swept away by false teachers. It is primarily because you have this understanding, you have this perception by the grace of God. John picks this up now and wraps it up by explaining why therefore he is writing to them. Why is he writing? Verse 21. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. If we understand knowledge here primarily as perception and understanding, then we'll be helped. Because what he's saying here is, the reason why I am writing to you 
is not because you, you lack perception. In fact, the reason why I am telling you all this is because you have perception. You have understanding. I know that when I speak or write to you, something in you goes yea and amen to that truth. The ones who get all upset, agitated, march out and follow the heretical teachers, do so because they don't have the seed that you have. Now clearly this ought to come as an encouragement, especially to those of us who are teachers and preachers. Because we often have to, to preach to people hard things. We have to tell people truths about a sovereign God. Who can do with us as human beings as he sees fit. We are but a lump of clay in the hands of a sovereign creator and governor. We have to speak to people about sacrifice. About carrying the cross. And you know what it means. The false teachers are not teaching that. No. They are instead saying, come to me and you'll have a fat bank account. Be a regular in my church and you'll never have to visit a hospital. Everything, all your problems will be gone. I declare it in Jesus' name. Just say Amen, and it will be yours. That's what is being taught. And people are going there in their tens of thousands to go and drink all this thing in, drink it all in. And there you are, the preacher and teacher. You're going through your Bible, and now you're coming across those texts that say, Unless a man hates his father or mother, brother or sister, yes, even his own life, and takes up the cross, he cannot be my disciple. And you feel like saying, uh, I think this one, let's skip it. But then you remember, no, they have perception. They have understanding. They are true children of God. When I teach these truths, there will be a perception, there will be a yea and a man within their own souls. They will say, verily, verily, this is the truth of God. Therefore, let me teach it. No need to hold back anything. That's what John is saying here. There's no need for that. I'm writing to you, not because you do not have knowledge of the truth, perception of the truth, understanding of the truth. No, it is because you know it, you perceive it, you can understand it. So I'm encouraged to do so. I will not hold back anything that is for you, that is from God's word. But there's a further reason why he writes. 
And it is because no lie is of the truth. No lie is of the truth. This is something he's saying. You need to realize this. That error and truth are bad bedfellows. They cannot dwell in the same place. I think that was important for them. As much as it is important for us. Because these people that have left, they followed a lie. It's heresy that they have now gone after. And will soon be seeing something of what it is here. Therefore, they cannot have the truth. They haven't gone away with truth and error mixed inside their souls. No. Rather, the proof of what has happened is that they, in fact, don't have truth in the first place. They don't. And I'm saying that's important for us too. Because often that's where we get confused, you see. We see individuals who are clearly heretical teachers. But somehow because we've got a common beginning, we, we started off together. We therefore conclude, well, you know, they, they are still just brethren. They're just brethren. Just that, you know, okay, they, 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 they seem to have to be carried away with so much which is false, which I don't agree with. But, you know, we, we, we must still be, be okay. We must still be the same. And therefore, I can say to the, therefore, I can raise my children there. Therefore, it's okay. John is saying, it's not okay. There are very clear demarcations between truth and error. Error is not part of truth. In fact, for the next message or two, that's what he's dealing with. He says they invested to who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Now listen to this. No one who denies the Son has the Father. It's not possible. When anyone denies who Jesus Christ is, His person and His work, He's outside God. He doesn't have God. He doesn't have the Father in His life. The opposite is what is true. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. And brethren, we really need to come to this conviction. Because Christianity, by and large, has followed the ways of the world. And the ways of the world basically go like this. There is no true truth. There isn't. What you think is true is true for you. 
keep it to yourself. I think this is true. It's true for me. And I'm enjoying it. So, let's just have a nice, warm feeling together. Truth no longer matters. The issue is not so much what do you believe about Jesus, what do you believe about the way of salvation. That's no longer the question today. It's simply, you claim to be a Christian? That's good enough. You claim to be a Christian. So why should I start questioning you? I also claim to be a Christian. So therefore, let's all just be happy and go on to heaven. Brethren, that's not the Christianity of the Bible. The Christianity of the Bible is based on truth. The truth of the Word of God. The truth that the Spirit of God births within our souls. And where that is missing, Christianity is not there. Even if there is a building called a church, even if people claim to be Christians. So if you ever go for outreach with anybody, in your interdenominational fellowship, whatever it might be. And now he's the one sharing the gospel. And up to that point, he's been Brother X, or she's been Sister Y. And now in sharing the gospel, we discover the gospel is about good works. Just say, uh-uh. This is not a Christian. It's not that she hasn't tightened the screw here and there properly. It's worse than that. The person is not yet a Christian. Your co-evangelist needs to be evangelized. And when you get from there and you have a quiet moment, begin to share the gospel with this person that that person may come to repentance and faith in Christ. The reason why is simple. No lie is of the truth. No lie is of the truth. Are we convinced about that? Because I know today when you speak about things like this, it's a sign that you lack love. They're not loving. And yet... Of all the apostles accusing John of lack of love <laughs> is a complete disaster. So here you are. You've been with friends in Christian circles. Finally, they have abandoned the faith. They've gone off, either in heretical teaching, or they've gone off in immoral or wicked living. And you are sitting there beginning to shake and shiver. You are now trembling, wondering whether you will ever make it. Whether this Christianity is real. John is saying, don't tremble, don't shiver. 
Do not even doubt. The reason why you have parted words and you are still here is because there is something true about you that they do not have. And it is the Holy Spirit who came to take residence in your soul at the point of your conversion and like a, a source of warmth radiating heat. He has been radiating truth within you. You have sensed. You have had perception. And consequently, when you've read the scriptures, when you've sought to understand life generally, it's been truth that has been permeating your thinking, your affections, your, your everything. The Spirit of God is working within you. That's the reason why. And therefore, instead of trembling, simply look at your friends and say, there go I, but for the grace of God. There go I, but for the grace of God. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my life. There's a light that has now dawned in my soul. Again, since Jesus came into my life. Or as he puts it in the next stanza, I have ceased from my wandering and going astray. Since Jesus came into my heart. Please don't miss that last point. Since Jesus came into my heart. It's not about me. It's about the salvation I have experienced in Christ. It's come into my heart. And I no longer wonder. There's a light in my soul. I no longer wonder. My life has been changed. I no longer wonder. Since Jesus came into my heart. Let me appeal to any among us. Maybe you're an individual who every teaching that comes sweeps you off your feet. Any new teaching that has been born, especially in Nigeria, sweeps you off your feet. Anything that comes, the latest thing is the in thing, sweeps you off your feet. And consequently, you are with one church, and then another church, and then another church, and then another church, because new teachings keep coming and, and is going off with the latest ones. Your need is not a new teaching. It's salvation in Jesus Christ. That's your need. As you start already getting rather restless with whichever church you are in now, Go to Christ and say to him, open my eyes. Cause the light to dawn in my soul that I might know the truth. And henceforth simply grow in that truth instead of chasing after every new wind of doctrine. Pray to him. Because I assure you, when he saves you, you will know it. 
There will be a sense of perception and understanding and yours will be but one journey towards heaven. Guided by the Holy Scriptures. Amen.